For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 285 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And it's a dreams come true type of episode here on Blue Harvest this week. We got some Star Wars video game news to talk about. Something that Will and I have been wishing for, mm, I don't know, for a couple of years now. Every time we talk about Star Wars... Uh... video games there's one thing we always say oh this is what we want this is what we want and lo and behold it came to pass this week hit a major brain fart right there in the middle of talking about it (laughs) i could literally hear the gears in my brain like grinding against each other to try and find what i was trying to say um but before we get to all that how's your week been buddy been all right yeah Yeah, I hear you. Can't take care of the kids. Like it's a, it's a circus. It's a three ring circus all day, <laughs> and you're just trying to keep the lions and the tigers and the fire blowers from shutting it all down. <laughs> um, I like that analogy. That's a funny analogy. Um, so yeah, we uh, we got some fun stuff. Something. Pretty big went down this week. Uh, slightly unexpected, at least in the timeline that it all happened. Um, and uh, we're going to hear from you guys. And uh, maybe talk about High Republic after that. It depends on how long that all takes because I finally finished Light of the Jedi today. <clears throat> the first High Republic book. And man, does it kick ass, Will. Oh, really? Yeah, I was talking to our buddy Steve shortly before we got on to record and I was kind of telling him like you know to me one of the struggles of coming up with a new era of Star Wars is is the compelling villain element right where you know not saying it's easy but like you can do heroic Jedi and brash pilots and you know uh, protocol droids and, and things like that all day every day and make that compelling that's sort right. of the core of Star Wars. But 
to really sink you in and really get the story going. I feel like you need a really interesting, cool villain. And right. I gotta say, they, I feel they nailed it. That's good. Yeah, because it's true. You know, your your heroes can be pretty archetype, right? And not you don't get upset with that. It's when the villain is one note and not complex and villainous. Yeah, and and like there's there's a bit of like a sort of what seems like there's going to be an ongoing central mystery going on and you know I'm that's a big good. fan of that kind of thing so that's good that's yeah. important i mean that's that uh, again that's george lucas's original star wars you know yeah and luke is his you know he's luke's father wtf for the next 3 years until yeah and, you know, and uh i got to say it gets a big thumbs up for me the first book i started um, a test of courage, which is the younger readers book. I started that today and I'm not very far in. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it progresses at some point. I will sort of give you the rundown of the story of light of the Jedi, but I want to make sure we have enough time to cover that. Um, so, you know, may save that for next week or the week after when we have something a little slower going, maybe it'll be this week. Like I said, it depends on how fast we tear through uh, what we got to talk about. Um, hey guys, you guys listening, do you have a Facebook? Don't be ashamed. If you do, do your pals a favor and go over and like us at facebook.com slash blue harvest podcast. Do you have a Twitter or an Instagram? <laughs> you can find us there at blue harvest pod. Do you ever peruse Twitch to watch people playing video games or doing whatever the hell else they do on Twitch ASMR? mukbangs um, uh check us out at twitch.tv slash blue harvest podcast or is it blue harvest pod yeah it's blue harvest pod twitch.tv slash blue harvest pod um you ever like hey man i want to hear a uh an email read or hear my own voice on blue harvest well you know how you do that you send it to us at blue harvest podcast at gmail.com Come. And finally, if you really dig the podcast and you want to support us for as little as $3 a month, we have a Patreon where we post all kinds of bonus episodes. Um, in fact, today I posted the latest episode of Star Wars Year by Podcast, which is a podcast that I do with our buddy Steel, where we go through the Star Wars Year by Year book. Sort of a Star Wars slash pop culture history podcast. That's a lot of fun. And, of course, tangents aplenty to be had. Um, And we've also got Cooking with Will, Oh No, It's Hall Solo, Jaws, Masters of Harvest Kasi, Podularasa, Blue Harvest Adventures, Steve versus the Prequels, and a lot more and more to come. So if you're interested, once again, patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And that's your weekly dose of business. You want me to tell you a funny story? I would love to hear a funny story. The business is what reminded me. Um, as far as Reddit, like I, I get on, you know, like any interneter, I have, I can get on Reddit and read stuff. And I was curious one day if we had a presence on Reddit. And so I go to r slash Star Wars and I type Blue Harvest Podcast. Oh, no. Really? One, one entry comes up. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be, you know, fuck that vulgar dumb, the fuck those oh, vulgar no. dumb shits, you know what I'm saying? And uh, 
it's one of our Kiwi friends uh, who has been listening to us, I guess, for a while. And he was like, uh, if you're looking for a new Star Wars podcast, he's, you know, gives a bunch of examples. And uh, and then he was like, my, my the two I really keep up with are so-and-so and Blue Harvest. And I was like, oh, right on. Like, way to get a nice represent our one representation on reddit is a positive one of, of a long-time listener Woo. and uh so i wanted to thank that person uh, if they still listen to this day for posting about us on reddit in the star wars you era. had me nervous there for a second i was like oh I, shit how's this it's gonna a good go story like i just i was like oh that's cool that's cool that we exist and it's in a positive light on reddit I'm, i am definitely not opposed to the occasional vanity search you know what I mean? It's never a good idea. I'm telling I know. you, I, when I did I it, I was like, oh, I might get my feelings hurt, but I'm just um, curious. Now. The last time I did it, um, I I just searched Blue Harvest Podcast on Twitter. And yeah. This has been been a little bit, of, been a little while, maybe a year plus. And I searched it, and it was somebody, it was an Eggman, meaning like they don't have a, a profile picture. And yeah. man. They were lighting me up, bro. Oh. Yeah. It wasn't great. The one thing that they were like, um, talking about how like I'll fuck up when I'm reading sometimes, um, which I've gotten a little bit better at, but because, you know, we got that spicy review one time that was like, I would give this podcast a a (laughs) five-star rating, but I'm giving it four because when Hall starts reading emails, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Oh, dude, he's just grinding your gears because he still gave us four out of five stars. Um, (laughs) I just remember the angry email we got back in the early days about how, like, Star Wars was for children and how dare we be so offensive with our language and, like... uh, Yeah. You know that... You know... Okay, so... That was maybe our first email ever we got was that email. Uh, and then I was like, ooh, that's uh, that's brutal. But I was like, shake the haters off. Shake the haters off. Let's just keep going. Uh, in a you know twist of fate, uh, that led uh, um, Mr. Steel Saunders to find in our show. Really? Yeah. So, you know. It's uh, it's not all. The universe is as it should be. Right, right. Um, so anyways, <clears throat> buddy, do you remember a couple of years, maybe not even a full year, maybe a year, year and a half, when the whole Lucasfilm Games thing came up and you were like, I remember you texting me or asking me when we were recording about like, are they bringing Lucasfilm Games back? Do you remember this? Yes. And, and you know, I, we kind of explained on the show that it's uh, it's sort of the overarching arcing. over. It's the, the brand at, within Lucasfilm that's over their video games, meaning that's their go-between between whatever publishers are working on video games and Lucasfilm, right? It's the right. department put together to handle those sort of relations. Well... Lucasfilm Games came back up in a big way this week because they sort of came out and did like sort of an official announcement, a branding thing for Lucasfilm Games. And along with that, they put out a trailer that sort of showed every game that Lucasfilm Games has been involved with so far. So, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, Battlefront 2, 
Battlefront, Squadrons, Galaxies of Heroes, The Sims, Star Wars expansion, the Fortnite Star Wars stuff they've been doing, the Minecraft Star Wars stuff they've been doing, Lego Star Wars. All the stuff that they've sort of had their hands in, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then they were sort of setting up for like, you know, this. Uh, stay tuned here for further announcements and stuff. And I was figuring, oh, well, that's cool. We'll start hearing stuff. That, that, that'll be sort of their official news channel. And the first thing it made me think of, and I actually, uh, King Tom and I talked about this um, on Twitter, was like maybe this is them pre- preparing as well to handle when the EA exclusivity is up. Ends, yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. way, instead of like, if, if they're not just working exclusively with EA, you don't have to go to, say, like EA's social media presence and whoever, you know, all the different companies that could possibly be working on Star Wars. But I wasn't really expecting much news from them. Well, the very next day, they dropped an announcement that Machine Games, which is a subsidiary of Bethesda, they are known for doing the newest Wolfenstein games, are working on an Indiana Jones game. Which is pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. I'm down for a, a nice dose of indie. I can go back and grab your hat. And yeah. And swing on your whip. Um the interesting thing about that is just a couple months ago Microsoft purchased Zenimax Media. And Zenimax Media uh owns Bethesda and Machine Games and so on and so forth. So there is a possibility that by the time this Indiana Jones game comes out, it's very early in development. So this isn't something we're going to be seeing anytime soon. Um, once it comes out, that could very well be an Xbox and play, uh, PC exclusive, depending on how that all works out. I mean, so, it'll be Harrison Ford's likeness, right? Like, obviously. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would imagine. So I wonder, uh, I kind of wonder if this is potentially going to be Microsoft's swipe at their own sort of uncharted style franchise because let's be honest uncharted is like it's indiana jones it is so indiana <laughs> jones inspired that it's crazy you know what right. i mean right right <clears throat> um so maybe this is their their chance to get their own sort of uncharted i wonder will it be a third person action game or will it be first person? Who knows? If it's first person, then you don't really, I guess, have to worry about how light, like what the whole lightness thing is what I'm getting to. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, you've got three movies worth to pull from digitally mm-hmm. that I'm super would look fine in a video game, you know. And then um, past that, I was like, oh, that's that makes total sense because, of course, Lucasfilm isn't just Star Wars and there's going to be a new Indiana Jones movie coming out. It only makes sense. It's going to be a Willow series, right? That's what I also was saying to King Tom is like, who knows? Maybe they want to make a Willow game when the Willow series comes about. And they have that, that, um, that new IP that they're working on. I can't remember. It's a book adaptation um, that they were talking about at the investors conference. So then I'm thinking, okay, that's it, Right. That's the whole reason they brought out the Lucasfilm games because they knew Bethesda was going to announce this Indiana Jones thing and boom. (sighs) No, sir. 
Yesterday morning, I wake up to a buttload of messages announcing or talking about the announcement that there is an open world Star Wars game in development by Massive Games. Massive Games is a subsidiary of Ubisoft or Ubisoft who make the Assassin's Creed games. Uh, previously, Massive Games has made two games for Ubisoft, as far as I know, and that is The Division and The Division 2. So that studio oh. is officially working on a open-world Star Wars game. Which, I don't That's know... That's going to be incredible. If you remember, just seven days ago, probably yeah, around this say, time... we talked about this last week. Yeah. <clears throat> so... What does this all mean? Well, clearly what this means to me is what else have we talked about a lot with Star Wars video games, Will? What did we want to see? We wanted uh, to see the end to the uh, EA exclusivity. And yes. in our best estimation, the thing we would like to see them do the most is allow not have anybody have the exclusive license to make Star Wars video games. Just allow any studios with a good pitch to license out the Star Wars name and make a Star Wars video game. And that is exactly what it looks like is going on now. That's awesome. Now this brings some interesting questions to the table as well, right? Because EA bought the exclusive rights to Star Wars back in 2013 and at the time, they were saying that was a 10-year deal. Well, buddy, it's only 2021, is it not? Yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot of people, and I feel like uh, incorrectly say that, oh, this means they ended the deal with EA early. But I don't feel that's the case because this open-world Star Wars game, like, it is just now starting up development they're literally hiring people for it now you can go and look at their hiring page you know what i mean right. this is this is not we are not seeing this game before 2023 so while they're start allowing someone to start work on a game before the exclusivity deal is up there will not be a non-ea star wars game out before 2023 like oh, wow there's these games take forever to make especially an open world game right like this you're talking about games that take years to make years right <clears throat> there's no way that's this open world ubisoft games not coming out this year it's not coming out next year the very earliest it could come out conceivably to me is 2023 and honestly i'd be surprised if they get it out in well, you know, if it comes out at the, towards the end of 2023, that's you're looking at closer to three years, I imagine, you know, because it's right. not like they signed the 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 deal on the dotted line and they were like, take it to Twitter and announce it. This is something that's been in the works and in discussions for a little while. In fact, um, a representative from the studio said it's been about a year that they've been in discussions and, you know, early talks about making this game. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. So, Especially knowing how bad you want it. I know, dude. I know. And, you know, by the time that comes out, you're looking at 
um, developers being well within this new generation of consoles and having the hang of things. So you can probably, and the division, I played the first one. It didn't turn out to be really my thing that much. I put a quite a bit of time into it, but it was never something that, you know, I don't look back on it and go, oh man, the division was one of my favorite games of all time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never played the second one, but what you can say about those games is they're gorgeous. Yeah, I uh, I played a lot of the first and the second division. I played it, you know, up until the very end. In, you know, I did not uh, finish the division two quite as strongly, but uh, I enjoyed playing with my friend. I, I like that, um, you know, urban crawling kind of combat. Yeah, and once again, just because just how like machine games made Wolfenstein, and we shouldn't necessarily expect Indiana Jones to be like those Wolfenstein games, right? Just because massive games made the division, we shouldn't expect their Star Wars game to be like the division. It's going to be made on the same engine, um, but you know, it's also very early. We don't have any other information about like you know who who all is working on it or what era it's set in that's what's going to be really interesting to me what era of the star wars timeline this is all set in um i'm hoping for high republic just because i'm super jazzed on the high republic right now uh i do kind of wonder because it's such a popular era and i feel like that it draws a lot of attention that it could possibly be set in the original trilogy timeline. We'll see. That'd um, be awesome. Do you I need to, uh, I need to get a beverage. Okay. Go grab a beverage. I'm very dry mouth. I did not expect to be. So, um, we have a statement. So we, we've got some statements from some different things, some more, details to go through with this whole new star wars game situation so this comes from starwars.com it says the star wars gaming galaxy is about to experience its own big bang we've got a lot of stuff we're ready to start sharing with fans lucasfilm game vp douglas riley tells starwars.com because we've been working quietly behind the scenes for a while now waiting for this moment and by this moment, Riley is referring to a new direction and era for Star Wars and Lucasfilm gaming, gaming overall, as Lucasfilm Games is now opening the doors to developers that want to come play in the galaxy far, far away. We're looking forward to work with the best-in-class teams that make great games across all of our IP. We've got a great team of professionals here at Lucasfilm Games who can work with the developers, shape the stories, shape the creative, shape the games to make them really resonate with fans and deliver across a breadth of platforms, genres, and experiences so that all our fans can enjoy the IPs that they know and love, he says. It's very sort of a cold statement. There are lots of use of the word IP, right? Yeah. Um, and then they go into the fact that Ubisoft and Massive Games are making this open world game. And they also mention that this doesn't mark the end of their work with EA. They will still be allowing EA to develop Star Wars video games. And they mention that there's multiple projects in the works with EA right now. I have a feeling 
<clears throat> over the next year or two, there are going to be a lot of Star Wars video game announcements as this goes forward, right? Right. Because um, you got to think, EA is going to want to continue the Jedi Fallen Order series with to the at least the point of doing a trilogy of games right right we the second one is in development right now fallen order 2 is in development the only question is when does it come out is it going to come out this year is it going to come out next year um i I think it all just depends on the pace they can work at under a pandemic i'll also say i would bet my good leg that a Battlefront 3 is in development. We will get a Battlefront 3 at some point. Wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of follow-up or sequel to Squadrons. So there alone, you have three game franchises that I'm sure EA would like to continue, right? Right. That's not counting anything new that they've got in the works. So just the EA stuff alone, we're going to see more of that. Add in this Ubisoft game add in any other developers that come to Lucasfilm games and say, Hey man, we want to make masters of Terrace Cossie too. Hey, we want to make super bombad racing too. These are all excellent ideas that you can use Lucasfilm games. Um, so I, I, I couldn't really be more happy. This means we are going to, the thing that it's always kind of bothered me with EA having the exclusivity is that kept us in a very narrow path. EA is not going to do any of the genres of game that aren't considered super popular. There's a reason we got two competitive multiplayer shooters because those are very popular. And if those got a strong audience, then that could be good for EA, right? Right. So to me, this means not only will we get more Star Wars games, but we will potentially get more genre of Star Wars games. And uh, that's the most exciting. Like real-time strategy games, RPGs, anything is pretty much on the table now. And of course, you will see the popular. You'll see some shooters. You'll see, you know, those things that are super popular and have a wider audience. Um, but yeah, it just, it makes me really excited. It makes me excited to see who sees that this is a thing now and then goes to Lucasfilm games in the next couple of years with their idea for a star Wars game and what it leads to. Right. But I I think we're only a, a couple of years away from only one star Wars game coming out every two years. You know what right. I mean? Cause it's been yeah. a pretty slow pace under EA's leadership and lots yeah, they of don't like to games. flood the you know content and they cancel games yeah yeah <laughs> it doesn't even seem so much of being wary of putting too, too much out there as, as it has been the fact that they've just canceled so many of these Star Wars projects that have been in development right um, so I guess we'll see. I'm really excited. Um, you know, uh, like we were saying last week, I want an open world Star Wars game. I don't know that I would have chosen Ubisoft or, or Massive Games necessarily to take on that project. But 
I'm also not going to complain. It's a right. wait and see. Going to be excited. What? So now Ubisoft that, does Assassin's Creed, right? They do. They do Assassin's Creed. They do Far Cry. They do uh, Watch Dogs, Rayman. Okay. Uh, the Division. You know, they're they're another massive developer. Um. And I, that's the thing. I hope it's the the Star Wars video game license isn't one of those things that's only within reach of massive developers. Because if that's the case, then you know the only people that will be able to afford uh, making these Star Wars games are gonna be big companies: Ubisoft, Activision, EA. Not a huge, not a huge fan of the idea of Activision doing Star Wars, but. It's also probably uh, inevitable at this point, to be honest. You think so? <clears throat> I mean, you got to figure that there's money in Star Wars games, and if Activision has a developer that wants to do it, I could see them. Because, you know, Activision's another one of those companies that has a ton of developers under it. It's not, you know, Activision, sort of the, the parent company under Activision is Blizzard. Who does Warcraft and Starcraft right. and Diablo? <clears throat> so, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Is there anything or anybody specifically you'd like to see take on um, Star Wars? You know, nobody right off the top of my head. I mean, just to be honest, I will have needed to do more research. I'll think about it now. Um, you know, one <coughs> that what about I. You? I didn't come up with this. Our buddy Steve did. And he had a really cool idea that I didn't consider. And that's Bungie. Oh, Bungie. You know, it seemed for a while there, EA was trying to crack the code on doing a games as a service game with Star Wars. And, you know, for people that aren't necessarily fully aware, games of the service game is like Destiny, The Division, would definitely be one of those games. It's sort it of a ever-evolving, ongoing game that, <clears throat> you know, they release and then constantly update. They're trying to keep you in this loop of playing this one game, right? Right. And I played a lot of Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. It never really got its hooks into me where it was the only thing I played. Or yeah. is still like I don't still play Destiny two, um, but I will have to give it to Bungie. the The controls, the gameplay on Destiny is tight. It is razor precision tight. Really, it's it, it just plays really well. It feels great. The shooting yeah. mechanics, the jumping mechanics, all that. That was never my complaint with Destiny. That's never what you know, pushed me away from playing destiny. So if they want to give Bungie the chance to do a games as a service game, destiny, star Wars, that star Wars skin could be what gets me sucked into a game like that for the long term. So I definitely possible. I don't see it happening because, um, you know, Obviously, Bungie has Destiny, and that seems to be something that they're going to be focusing on. Yeah, and then past that, they have some other property, some other new 
property that they've been sort of hinting at that they're working on. So they probably have, uh, you know, a full slate at this point. And I don't, like you said, I don't really know. They've been trying to do their own Star Wars for the last few years with uh, Destiny. And I can't imagine that they would be super into the idea of being like, well, then let's just do Star Wars, you know? Right. But it'd be cool. <clears throat> so that's the uh, the big uh, video game Star Wars news for the week. That's pretty great video game news. Knowing that that's coming. Yeah. Definitely gives something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like I said, I'm excited for it too, but anybody else is super excited. There's going to be some patience required before this game comes out because it's yeah. going to be a little while. I figure it'll be in, yeah, yeah, it'll be in development forever. Right. Two years, three years minimum. <clears throat> so. I'll wait. Yeah, I will I too. You know, I mean, we're potentially potentially talking about maybe around the time of Rogue Squadron or maybe around the time of Taika's movie, Taika Waititi's movie, if Taika it's the Waititi. one after Rogue Squadron. Um. So there'll be a lot of Star Wars excitement in the air. And, you know, if if how this EA thing went down is they went to them and said, look, guys, we'll continue to let you make Star Wars games, but we don't want to be exclusive anymore. And we need to work something out in this deal where other developers can go ahead and start work. Because I'll be honest, I assumed incorrectly that how it was going to work were other developers wouldn't be allowed to even start working on Star Wars games until 2023 when the EA deal was up, right? That's that's clearly not the case. And whether that was something in the original contract or if they went to EA and worked it out to where like, look, you know, these won't release within your exclusive 10-year window, but we need to let people have time to start on these because these games take so long, you know? Right. Right. What happens when you get a super rushed Star Wars game is you get the first EA Battlefront. Right. They had no campaign, you know, like not yeah. a whole lot of modes and stuff. It was fun, but that was a rushed game that they got right. out in like two years. <clears throat> so. That's true. Um, All right. I think that's it pretty much for Star Wars news this week. Um, Yeah. I think that's about it. There wasn't much else. Not that that wasn't huge and exciting. Um, I think it was. Oh, I guess Liam Neeson said he would be up for making a cameo appearance in um, the Obi-Wan series. I kind of feel like that's a given at this point, even if it's just a vocal cameo. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We know Obi-Wan was communing with Qui-Gon, so... I mean, dude, I hope so. Because I love, like, you know, I love Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. It's so sad that he goes in The Phantom Menace. Yeah, and so sad that Liam Neeson had that fucking crazy interview he did a couple years ago. Oh, what? Um, I guess I missed this. I don't don't remember the specifics. I don't want to misquote it, but he did not come off looking great. Oh, yeah, about Star Wars? No, not about Star Wars. About, like, it came off racist was the thing. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Yep, that does it, man. That does it for news. Do you want to hear from our uh, our buddies, our friends? Hi, I friends. Do. All right, let's hear hey, what they friends. have to say. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kia D. Cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kia D. Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead. All righty. So you know who how we kick this off. We kick this off with a little King Tom. Chansky. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey there, Oz and Will. So I finished Light of the Jedi last week, and then I uh, finished A Test of Courage this week. Both solid books. I really love Light of the Jedi, and A Test of Courage is a nice, smaller-scale story. And I'm actually thinking of going back and, and rereading Light of the Jedi again. Uh, just because I like this new playground we have. One thing that's that's kind of missing, and I don't think that this is too big a spoiler, but we have not seen any signs of Mandalorians in the High Republic yet. Um, and I, I'd like to think that with a project that's, you know, at least probably more than, it's going to go on more than three years. It's going to have multiple parts. Eventually we would see the Mandalorians. Um, I, I think that, you know, the fights between them and the Jedi were probably way in the past, like that big tomb S&M portable dungeon thing that they had for, for <laughs> Maul in the Clone Wars. I think that was from even further back than the High Republic. So I don't think they'll really be in conflict with the Jedi, but what what do you think the, the Mandalorians are up to now, Oz? Um I mean, I imagine they're kind of their own separate little people not paying too much attention to the Republic. But I, I would like to think that at some point they factor in here, if, if not a main part of the story, then at, at least a side part. Because that is one thing ab about Star Wars, um, is that, it, you know, it, it has these people, and we don't really see much of them outside of, of Boba and Django in the movies, and we get a little bits of them here and there. But it's like it's like an iceberg thing where... We're told or we get the idea that there's a lot more there, but we don't know the whole story yet. So even if they even if they told us now what what they're doing in the High Republic, I don't think that should affect the mystery of what's going on during the Galactic Civil War or after. But I'm curious as to your thoughts. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for the great podcast, and I'll talk with you later. Ooh. Look at King Tom. He's taking Chocolate and peanut butter and smooshing them together. High Republic and Mandalorian. Peanut butter and my chocolate. <clears throat> so um, I'm going to dance around some of this subject 
as to not give anything away from Light of the Jedi, anything major. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, it took me over a week to finish the audio book, and I want to respect. When, when we talk about High Republic, I want there to be like a strong spoiler warning, and that way anybody that hasn't finished the book can dip out. But I will say there is a mention of the Mandalorians in Light of the Jedi where one of the characters is sort of thinking to themselves about how like how peaceful the recent era of Star Wars history has been. And he even says something to the effect of like, we haven't even heard a peep out of the Mandalorians in a long time. They Even they have been chilled out. So there is a small reference to them. And, I, and my guess, you know, before you even said that was going to be like, because when we see them in Clone Wars, like they just seem like a fairly proud, diplomatic warrior <laughs> people, you know. Right. Like, and that definitely so seems I like they were growing that. Yeah. Know? It's to me, that seems like the influence of Duchess Satine, right? Like she's the one right. that's really um, influencing them and taking them in that era, in in that direction. So I will say that the central threat, the villain, the the uh, of this High Republic stuff, I'll say that I don't foresee how they couldn't also be a threat to the Mandalorians. And with as popular as the Mandalorian is, I think they will bring them into the story at some point. It's just a matter of how they do it and when they do it. You and, gotta have places to go if you're gonna. If this is gonna be, you know, if this is gonna be a continuation of stories, you gonna, you know, just save something up your sleeve. Yeah, you know, you exactly. Stuff, you want to have, you want to have stuff to write about. You don't want to put everything out there in the beginning. Yeah, and and um, I think Tom's right. Like it's far enough removed from everything else that you don't have to worry about it contradicting anything from Mandalorian related stuff that's been established so far clone wars rebels the mandalorian any of that you don't have to worry about that (laughs) so i do think they'll come in at some point as far as what they're doing i would imagine it's a a very similar situation to the clone wars where they're not part of the republic they're off on their own doing their own thing but i would like to see what the difference in their culture is 200 years before we see them in the Clone Wars, right? That would be pretty interesting. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, I hope they bring them in. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer at this point. The Mandalorian is hugely popular, and, you know, they couldn't re- resist bringing Mandalorian characters into the Old Republic stuff back in the day. So, I think they will be doing that eventually. <clears throat> it is a shame that it's it's not quite a few hundred years before that, so we could see old Tar Vizsla, who I'm dying to see, the Mandalorian Jedi who forged the Darksaber. That's what I oh, want to see. Yeah. You think we could? You think they'll see the Darksaber get forged? Mm. Not in High Republic, because it's already forged at this point. Oh, okay. Because his story is an interesting one, right? Like he was yeah. a Jedi. Yep, he was the first Mandalorian Jedi. He forged the... He made the Darksaber, and then when he died, they placed the Darksaber in the Jedi Temple, and then at some point, the Mandalorians raided the Jedi Temple and stole the Darksaber back. 
And this is all well before the High Republic, I believe. So, um, I believe that's already happened. I, I could be a little off on the whole them raiding the Jedi Temple timeline thing, but that's what went down. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they would be up to. I just um, just know it's probably something cool. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of think maybe when we see them in the High Republic, they'll be more akin to, say, like Din Djarin and the Death Watch and stuff. Because, you know, that... Yeah, because that seems like a... You know, they they say that's sort of an ancient Mandalorian belief and that the Watch wants to reinstate the ancient ways of Mandalore. The old ways. (laughs) Yeah, the old ways. So maybe that's how they are. Maybe they all, you know, don't take their masks off and say this is the way and all that stuff. That's possible. All righty. Next up, we have a voice mail from Utah. 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 Dougie. Dougie. Osmoel, this is Dougie. Man, it's been a bit since I emailed or called in, but I appreciate you guys doing the podcast. Um, I was going to ask this week about with the digital de-aging they did with Luke. I think it worked really, really well in The Mandalorian, but I think if they were to move forward with like a series or more regular appearances, I, I do, in this case, believe a recast would work well. Um, I think there are other examples of de-aging that worked great. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Captain Marvel, Robert Downey Jr., um, things like that. I I did like Alden Ehrenreich as a recast in Solo. Hashtag make Solo 2 happen. Hashtag make anything Solo happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was wondering, outside of that, what are some of your opinions on recasting and when has it worked for you in the past uh one example that i really enjoyed was when they recast indiana jones with a young river phoenix and indiana jones and the last crusade i think that really worked it was great it was just a little nugget of of his life and it it was had a good backstory to it and everything so that really worked for me um other times it hasn't worked so i was just wondering what what works for you guys what what uh what does it for you, I guess. Anyways, love the podcast, keep it up. Check you later. Ooh. Um I agree with Dougie. I think Alden Ehrenreich is a good recasting. Um had no problem with his portrayal of Han Solo. Uh as far as other recastings that I like, do you do you have any will that come to your the Han Solo one is good. Um, oh, I can't think of many recasting. I have one. You know? I think uh, I like Don Cheadle as War Machine better than Terrence Howard as War Machine. Yeah, I do like that one better. Uh, maybe that's an unpopular uh, opinion. I don't know, but I I, I like it better. <laughs> um, 
I'm trying to think of some other recastings. He, I like Mark Ruffalo better than me too. Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. That's a good one. Two Marvel examples, but that is a good one. I agree. Um, he really grabbed one of the better ones with River Phoenix as young Indiana Jones because that yeah, was River Phoenix, young Indiana. Awesome. That's like one of the you know, that's um, one of the best ones there is. I don't know much about my young Indiana Jones Chronicles or whatever they called that show. I wonder if they originally intended him to play Indy in that show before he died. You would think, right? Maybe. I don't know. <coughs> um, the guys from the Sandlot. Um, they all that was all pretty funny when you when it showed them older, or the just the two main kids. I it's guess it's been a long time since I've seen that. So. Dude, I used to love that movie, The Sandlot. Um, hey, James Earl Jones, that. Uh, okay, here's one. Uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. a recasting for sure. For sure. Um, and as far oh, as... No, hold on, hold on. You got to go? Yeah. All right. So what I was saying is, as far as... Um, Dougie's idea that if they decide to go forward with more Luke, like, you know, if he's got another appearance or a couple more appearances in the Mandalorian at some point, then I think they can go the de-aged Mark Hamill route again, you know? But if they're doing something significant with Luke, a series or something to that effect set during that time, then... I do agree. You probably need to just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off and do some recasting. Of course. That would be my recommendation. If you're, yeah, if you're doing something serious with him, just go ahead and recast him. Yeah. For for smaller scale stuff, smaller appearances <clears throat> here or there, then I think it's totally fine. Especially if you're going to have him do an action because you can shoot it and frame it in a way where you don't really see him. Because, like, you know, he looks pretty fucking cool with that hood drawn up. Fucking... Slicing up uh, dark troopers. Um, you can literally do anything with Luke up until that scene with Kylo Ren where he peeks in his dreams. You know, like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, All yeah. of that Luke story is untold. Yeah. Yeah. And it does kind of make me wonder, like, well, we've gotten so much announced. And, you know, obviously there's other stuff that's in the works or will be in the works. I just... If they were going to do a Luke series or something like that, I don't even know when the fuck it would happen. We've got so much stuff coming um, on Disney+. Plus, But he's one of the most popular characters, so they're not going to just never it'll do be anything. It'll that 70s show-style sitcom. And Ugh. it'll be uh, Ray and Finn and Poe and the ghost of Luke Skywalker. Talking about breaking foots off and asses and stuff? Yep. The dad in that 70s show is the best part. <laughs> red. I loved some red foreman, my man. <clears throat> um, okay, so let's get to this next one, just in case we get... Um, get well, Okay, so we have two sort of cooking-related questions, all right? So, all right. And you know these are for you. <laughs> Um, this one first up is our buddy Josh. Let's hear what he has for you. Hello there, Haas and Will. Josh W. here with a question uh, for you guys. Well, a question for Will, actually. 
not especially Star Wars related, but um, there's there's a bit of a connection. So um, I do all the cooking for my family, my wife and my two kids, and I have for years. And there's not a lot that I cook on a regular basis that gives me trouble, except for soft-boiled eggs. Um, I love eating them, but I haven't found a method that works. Um, every time I try to cook them, at the end, when I take them out of the water, they look hard, which they absolutely are. Yeah. Uh, seriously, though, um, <laughs> what's your preferred method for soft-boiled eggs? Uh, thanks again for the great pod, and may the force be with you. Well, this is all you, buddy. I recommend uh, the sous-vide technique, uh, a sous-vide circulator, because you can cook. That's one of the spe- That's one of the things that's amazing about a sous-vide, is that you can cook at a precise temperature for a precise amount of time, however long you need to, and the item won't exceed that temperature, uh, because the circulator will monitor the temperature of the water that's in the bath and keep it at that precise temperature. You know, for as long as you need them. So you could, I forget what it is right off the top of my head. You, you know what the temperature is for softballed eggs. I can look it up for you, but, um, or, and you can look it up yourself. But if you can get a circulator, a sous vide circulator, uh, and you can just drop the eggs in that water, you know, carefully place the eggs in that water when you get that water to the desired temperature and let them sit there for the right amount of time. And then, uh, you can just use, they'll be softballed eggs right there, ready to go. Man, look at that. That is, there's a callback to the uh, sous vide incident of 2020, the end of 2020. I, I used to do brunch at the restaurant, and mm-hmm. one of the dishes that we came up with had a softballed egg on top. And, uh, buddy, having to cook those in mass, okay, so you do that in mass in the sous vide, that's fine. Then you take them out, and like we kept them. So that they were reheated. Like I reheated a water bath and I reheated a soft boiled egg and a little bit of boiling water uh, to order. Like every every time the dish was made, like I would take a soft boiled egg and, and like put it in a little bit of like boiling water and then gently spoon it back on top of the dish. Like it was so delicate. Oh my goodness. And then when you bust it open, like the, you know, it, it's like a sauce and it's uh, the yolk of the soft boiled egg. Man, sounds pretty good though. It's a soft boiled when you get like a a ramen that's got a, an egg in it. That's soft boiled too as well, right? Or is that hard boiled? If it's runny, uh, it's um, I think what you're talking about is hard boiled. Okay. To where it's stiff. If everything's stiff, it's hard boiled. Every if everything is hard as it as it absolutely was. Like it. He looked hard. Was. And he absolutely was. You don't have that on the. You don't have that on the button. I mean, I do, man, I don't know. I got spooked with it last week, you know? Give it to me. Give it to me, Oz. You're making me wait for it? He looked hard, which he absolutely was. Perfect. I had to go get to it. I didn't have it at command. Like I said, you spooked me last week, Will. (laughs) You no-sold me. Will the no-sell. And then I I play. Oh, that's funny. No, no, yeah, it is funny. I got more compliments on your delivery of... It is funny than <laughs> than the drop itself. Damn. Oh. Now all this time I thought Jesse was the one tired of my bullshit and my jokes and didn't <laughs> think I was funny anymore. 
Oh no! Hoss, Tough crowd out here. Is this thing on? <laughs> is this thing on? So what's the deal with airplane food? All right, all right. We got a uh, <coughs> we got a voicemail from a rap scallion. Soars Bandine. This is Saws Bandine, and I'm back. I felt a great disturbance in the force this week, boys and girls, as if a couple of douchebags screamed out in terror and then were suddenly silenced. And what may you say caused all this drama? Well, somebody filmed themselves crying while watching a TV show. Now, this led to some people making fun of that person. Now, this led to a whole load of bloody nonsense of, you're right, I'm wrong, you need to apologise, it's not fair, Lucasfilm is making fun of me, they don't like the fans, blah, 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 blah. Jesus Christ, I don't know what is the matter with you lot. You sit there in your YouTube ivory tower, lording down on everyone, peddling bullshit at every opportunity. You know what you should do? You should take all that bullshit, lies and feelings, roll it up into a little ball and shove it up your ass. <laughs> because no one really gives a shit about what you think or what you say. So how about you like and subscribe to that? And good luck with monetizing it. Because after all, boys and girls, it is true what they say. Zori is the hardest word to say. gotta do to make you love me what I gotta do to make you care what do I do when lightning strikes me and I wait to find that you're not there What do I do to make you want me? What do I gotta do to be heard? What do I say when it's all over? And sorry seems to be the hardest word. It's a sad, sad situation And it's getting more and more absurd It's sad, so sad Why can't we talk it over? Oh, it seems to me The sorry seems to be the hardest word 
boys and girls. That's enough from me. I'll leave you to it. Ta-ra! You bunch of mugs. I gotta say, <clears throat> my favorite two lines from that were like and subscribe to that and good luck monetizing that. <laughs> Fucking genius. <laughs> Liam will say, uh, let me know in the comments. He'll I... say something and be like, let me know in the comments. Are you serious? Yeah. Just hey, to nobody? Like let me know in the comments. Or to you. He'll be like, hey, to dad, me, you know, look yeah. at this. And you'll be like, oh, that's cool. He, he'll be playing along, be bopping, saying his own thing, you know, or like playing with his little Playmobil guys and be like, oh, oh, did you like that? Let me know in the comments. <laughs> That's funny and a little scary, to it's, be honest. It's a little sad. I mean, that means, you know, yeah. He's really the into the YouTube. The phone too much, yeah. He's really into the YouTube. Um, man, I just had a brain fart. Oh, you know, every time... Uh, Soar's Bandim starts singing while I'm playing the voicemail like you know I just become one with the force and let my mind drift a little bit every time without fail I get this mental image of being up late at night and watching infomercials for compilation CDs do you remember those infomercials oh, I used to love those when you couldn't sleep at night or you were up too late and it would be like the Pink Floyd Echoes set. 50 years of right. crucial greatest rock hits. And then it would scroll through everything that was in the collection. Right. Or, you know, you would see the ones where there it was all different artists. And it'd be like, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Pure 70s. Yes. That's what and it reminds it me of. the medleys of, you know. Mm -hmm. And it would scroll all the songs around through there. through all the songs in there. Yeah. I just imagine. I just get this mental image of being up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And that's like, Soar's Bandine. Soar's Bandine. Sings the hits. Hit. Yeah. 25 years <laughs> of smoky, sultry goodness. <laughs> Soar's Bandine presents Ya Bunch of Mugs. Order now when you get Bunch of Mug Christmas. I wish I could. I got to tell you, in that Light of the Jedi audiobook, there's a character named Kossiv, right? And Kossiv sounds like Soar's Bandine. Every okay. time that character would say something in the audiobook, I would crack up because it sounds like Soar's Bandine. I should have pulled a clip. I'll try to have that ready. Maybe Soros for... Ben Deem's doing side work. That's know. what I'm thinking, man. I'm thinking Soros is, is uh, reading, uh, holding out on us. Audiobook vocalization. <clears throat> All right. Uh, next up, this is, I believe, another um, uh, cooking question. This is from Sam. Howdy, Halls and Will. I've got the Galaxy's Edge cookbook for Christmas, and I've been cooking my way through it, making Ronto wraps and shack roast. Have you guys gotten to pick it up and is and make some of the recipes? Uh, as a follow-up question, is there any food that you'd want to try that hasn't been made in the real world? I wonder what that chowder from Mandalorian Season 2 tastes like. Or how that chowder from Season 2 tastes. Uh, anyways, thanks for the great show and have a great night. I personally haven't gotten the Galaxy's Edge cookbook. Have you, Will? No, I haven't. I would like to. I haven't just haven't gotten a chance to pick it up yet. I've seen that and the Dungeons and Dragons cookbook. Have you seen that? Ooh, and every no. time I see both of those, I'm no, like, those are Will books right there. 
They are. They absolutely are. Um, what's some Star Wars food that you would like to try that hasn't been made in the real world? You know, I think I've been asked this question before, and I'll say what I said then. Um, uh, the Yoda stew. Yeah. The stew that Yoda makes mm-hmm. on uh, Dagobah. <clears throat> yeah. And Empire Strikes Back. I would like some of that. Betcha that's pretty tasty. Also, it's shameful to admit the roasted pork looked pretty good that Chewbacca <laughs> failed to eat. It sure did look pretty. It looked like the perfect Christmas turkey. Yeah, it did. Um, I don't know. I, I do not believe I would enjoy that chowder from the Mandalorian season two, especially if there's live squid in it. Remember that squid mm. that jumps out on Baby Yoda? I don't know. Clam chowder already isn't necessarily my jam, so I can't imagine whatever the fuck that is being something on. Clam chowder, totally awesome. (laughs) Um, I love clam chowder. What? um, Ray's Rising Bread? I I think that's real. Oh, really? I think that was a practical effect, if I'm not mistaken. Now, you know, not it being hot, you know, I'm not steaming, but like, I think those portions were like some sort of activated thing that you did and it would make bread right in front of you. I, so I remember sometime after The Force Awakens, like maybe StarWars.com put a recipe for her bread up, but I don't know oh, that okay. it rose itself like that. I could be wrong. Um, either way, I'd like to try that. Um, I always want to try what they're drinking. You know what I mean? Like when Obi Wan, when Anakin's like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "To get a drink," and he's drinking that neon yeah. fucking liquid. Like, I wonder what that yeah. tastes like. I don't want to sell you this. Oh, fucking uh, Luke Skywalker Slim Jim, boy, I want to chow down on Luke Skywalker Slim Jim. Well, that's he was hard. He absolutely was. I want to just get my mouth around Luke Skywalker Slim Jim from The Empire Strikes Back. He looked hard, which he absolutely was. Oh, what I, you know, I'm blanking now. I feel like there was a banquet spread on the table in front of Darth Vader when he opens the door in Cloud City. I, I can't remember seeing can't any remember actual food. There. Yeah. Like all that food that they're eating uh, in Maz's castle. Looks pretty interesting, but it also looks a lot like real world food that they just um, that they churched up. Oh yeah, like that they smooshed they together. Like Romanesco what, is actually real. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. It looked it, like uh, Romanesco fractal. inside an apple or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that is pretty easy to kind of put in my head. But that that ration stick or whatever that Yoda eats out of Luke's. Um, was it yep. the Chico stick? The Chico stick, his Slim Jim. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm. I would totally get Butter that. Butterfinger well. without the chocolate. <coughs> All right. Now that teeth uh, gonna be caked up for days. Oh. That is a rough, rough snacking experience. Uh, do you know? You know what is a shame? It's like, it's like torture. That Butterfinger is so good in ice cream because the coldness of the Butterfinger turns it into cement, like, in your teeth. 
Yeah, I think that's probably something I avoid for that very reason. It's been a while since I've like gone with uh, a Butterfinger ice cream combination. Yeah. It is good, though. It is good. Butterfinger in general just kind of like annoys me because of its teeth. When I used to play D&D with my cousin, his mom would make Butterfinger milkshakes. Nice. Yeah. Your boy's slaying dragons. <laughs> slaying dragons, slurping Butterfinger milkshake. You slaying dragons and orcs and goblins. Here's a milkshake. <laughs> I'm sure your aunt sounds way cooler than that. It's just, that's the character game. No offense, peace and love to your aunt. I'm sure she doesn't sound like that. And when, uh, when the boys would get the midnight snackage, they would go to hunting the can of Vienna weenies and dip them in barbecue sauce from the, from the cabinet. Your boys just beat a beholder. You're going to have some Vienna sausages and some barbecue sauce. I can't do Vienna sausages, buddy. That shit smells like dog food. (laughs) Ugh. All right. I mean, it basically is. What's the next step down? Potted meat? Mm -hmm. I heard they're dicked in potted meat. Mm -hmm. I never tried it. I've never tried potted meat either. My country family would talk about eating potted meat and squirrel brains. Skip it. Skip it. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank and, uh, you. Supposedly, it's very good, very nutritious, those brains. I remember. So, when I was a kid, I would say from like kindergarten to like third or fourth grade, after school every day, we would go over to this, our babysitter's house. This is a much, she was a very elderly lady, right? And I remember. Right. Like in her house, you went down the hall towards the bathroom and on the way there was a big chest freezer, right? Right. And I remember, I don't know one time, I don't know why, man, but I was like, I wonder what's in this chest freezer. So I opened it and there was a pig's head in it. Oh. Just oh, staring that's at it. It was, that's dude. Like PTSD level. It was like some fucking Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre, bro. Like that That's shit. a scene in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, man. And it still sticks to me. Like, uh... It, it, no nah, man, uh, I don't know. Why would someone keep a? I'm glad I never knew that, or that anybody that when Goose used to scare you, that it was never a big head. Bro, I, mask or something. I would probably be dead if, <laughs> like, I, a I Dude, would never own a pig head mask. Back in the day when we were rowdy, like, ha, like Goose used to scare the shit out of you. Like he I know. would. Like torture you. You know with, what's funny you is had masks. Like you had slipknot masks and like Michael Myers masks Mike and Myers I think masks. our shitty old roommate stole all of those, by the way, because I haven't seen those in years. <laughs> I think our shitty had, old room I had a recurve bow that I thought I had taken there when I moved there and that I don't think I moved away with and uh I haven't seen that either. Yeah, so I that probably left. But if it did, you know, I you know, whatever. That I'm dude fucking stole anything that he could get his hands on before he moved out fucking say la vie but you know how like sometimes jesse will scare me on the podcast and on screen yeah yeah the listeners do not know they don't know the the level because one time he almost killed me one time at this house (laughs) do you remember the time i'm talking about where it was like not sure i remember a couple times two o'clock in the morning 
you were asleep. Our old roommate, Josh, not the one who stole all the shit, was asleep. And Goose and I were hanging out. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go. I'm going to get ready for bed. So I went to the bathroom. And I was coming out of the bathroom. And in my peripheral vision, I see something move to me quickly, at me real quick. Put my hand, its hand on my shoulder and just goes, halls. And Goose was crouched down like a little goddamn cave goblin right beside the door to the bathroom wearing a, a mask, a slipknot mask. And, bruh, I, in the split second before I realized what it, who it was and what was going on, I felt like I was in a horror movie. I screamed so loud. I fell backwards and just started crawling backwards back into the back bathroom, screaming the whole time. Not one, you know, loud, high-pitched scream like I do when Jesse scares me. Like multiple sound, like I'm surprised cops didn't get called. And then afterwards, I figure out what's going on. All I hear is you and we heard we heard a woman, an elderly woman, being murdered. (laughs) Store, there was a call. Uh, And then after it died down, after I quit screaming and figured out what's going on, all I could hear was you and Josh laughing. From (laughs) Oh. oh my goodness. He gave me a serious fright to the point where I still get a little nervous around Goose to this day. <laughs> I have a little fucking frightened PTSD. Like, because he would you never can tell. He would do that other thing <clears throat> where he would just grab onto my collarbone. You know that thing I'm talking about that Goose does where he's like, it's like a friendly greeting to him where he just comes up and he grabs you real quick. He's like, hey, how's it going? And he'll grab you like on your, your collarbone neck meat. And like, if he starts getting close to me, I'll start tensing up and he'll say, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, you grab on me sometimes, dude. It makes me nervous. Um, you got to go, buddy. Yeah. All right. I'll wrap it up. Um, cause okay. we're pretty much done. So, um, sorry guys. We're going to cut a little early. Um, Hey, Will, thanks for recording. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem, buddy. Go take care of the stuff you got to take care of. Yeah, man. Sorry about that. No problem. All right, guys. Uh, We're going to call it there. Will's got to go, you know, take care of the kids. More important things to do, obviously. Um, Thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, write us a five-star iTunes review. It helps us out a ton. Um, If you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stone Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And until next week, this has been Blue Harvest for me, Hals Burkhart, and of course, Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>